He allows difficulty and trial to enter into our lives because he loves us too much to let us stray, to remind us that he's the one that we are to serve. He's the one that we are to love. And because he cares for us so much, he will not let us stray forever. And we go through difficult times to once again be reminded it's not the stuff we're to worship. It's the one and only God, his son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And some of us right now are in the trial I speak of at this moment because we can be caught off guard and led astray by the things of this world. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Live in the Light. We're glad that you're here today because yesterday we started a brand new series looking at the important and even urgent need we have as followers of Christ to be led by the truth in these troubled times. In fact, that's the name of our mini-series, Truth in Troubled Times. When the world around us seems to be sliding into chaos and confusion, whether it's in the headlines that we read or the news feeds that we follow, and that's not even including our own lives that have their own fair share of confusion and chaos, when the inevitable times of trouble come to our lives, where does the follower of Christ turn? Well, today's passage takes us to Psalm 49, where we find a truth that money cannot buy and that death cannot take away from us. Welcome, loved ones. We are glad you're here. So if you can, get your Bibles open and turn to Psalm 49, and let's flip things over to Pastor Robbie with today's message. We can be caught off guard and led astray by the things of this world. Some of us right now are in a trial of discipline of the Lord because we have started worshiping the earth as opposed to worshiping Jesus. And because God's the perfect father, he loves you. He loves you. And so he disciplines you. Because he knows at the end of the day, if he doesn't do that, you will, you will carry off into self-destruction as so many in our world are doing right now. This is the danger of the pursuit of wealth. Now, if you're like me, you're in Psalm 49 and trust in wealth, you have many, many verses flowing through your mind right now from a New Testament, how the Bible's really one book. So let's just get those verses out because we're all thinking of them anyways. And we can see them and see how much the Bible's really one book. Here's the first verse. These are all from Jesus. I want you to see, we'll go through them quickly. It's just, again, it's so connected to Psalm 49. Don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. That would be dumb. Why? Because moth and rust will destroy them. Well, I don't want, that'd be stupid. I know, I know. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven that will last forever. That sounds smart. I know. I know it does, doesn't it? Why is this such a big deal? For where your treasure is, that's what you trust. And what you trust, that's where your heart is. You trust in treasure, trust in the earth, your heart's in the earth. You trust in God, you trust in Christ, your heart's with Christ. Next verse. Matthew 6. This is, this is really our psalm in a verse. No one can serve two masters. You will hate the one, love the other, devoted to the one or despise the other. Here we go, ready? You can't serve both. You gotta choose one or the other. That's Psalm 49, man, right there. He's like, hey, the people that are loving the world and its riches, they're gonna die. And after that, it's not good, not good. They, they cannot pay for their own lives. 
But those who trust in the Lord, God will ransom their soul. God will pay for their life. Again, through his provision, through his son. But you can't do both. It's either one or the other. Look at this, not my words. You will hate the one, love the other. Look at Luke 6. This is, this is a big deal. But woe to you who are rich, for you have received your consolation. Part of the Beatitudes, Jesus says in Luke 6. Look at that. So, so, so hey, um, those who have all the stuff right now, you better enjoy it, man, because that's your reward. Love the houses, love the cars, love the money, love the vacation. Just like enjoy it while you can because he says, man, that's your consolation. Like that's your reward. Enjoy it now because after that, after Jesus comes, it's, it's all dust. It all goes to nothing. It's gone. So like enjoy it while you can because it's not gonna last very long. This is what he's saying. This is, this is what Jesus is saying. It's most of our world. And live for now, live for now, live for now, live for now. And then all of eternity, eternal regret. Next verse. I mean, guard your heart against covetousness. Don't long for, we're gonna see that in Psalm 49 in the later verses next week. Don't, 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 don't get jealous of the rich because our life doesn't consist in what we possess. Next verse. But God said to him to the, to the rich fool, this night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? It's a good question, man. So is the one who lays up treasure for himself, here we go, ready, and is not rich toward God. He's like, fool. God says, you fool, you idiot. Like, what were you doing? You spent your whole life for something that won't last and now you're dead and now your souls are required. You have nothing to show for it. You moron, right? Last verse, Luke 18. This is... Rich young ruler. Jesus, seeing the rich young ruler become sad because he tested him on his wealth, he said, how difficult is it for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God? Not impossible, but very difficult because those who have so much wealth are so tempted to trust their wealth as opposed to Jesus Christ. And that's why Jesus says, easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter God's kingdom. So we're talking about this very, very important issue in God's word. We're talking about Psalm 49, just going through it. And wow, do I trust in wealth? Do I trust in Christ? And there's an eternal difference. So this is important enough then to unpack this question. What are some signs that I am falling victim, that I have sinned in the love of money? What are some signs? What are indications that I am trusting in wealth? Here are 10 indications that I am trusting in wealth. And um, I borrow this from uh, Don Wilson, okay? 10 indications that I love money, and this is a danger in my life. First, I'm obsessed with becoming rich. Um, I'm in serious danger of loving money. When I think about money, when I just wanna pursue money, when I'm just trying to get, I work all those hours at the end of the day, I just, I just want more accumulation to get more stuff that I may have more and more and more. Another uh, indication is I never have enough. I'm never content that's a huge one. G.K. Chesterton said so wisely, there are two ways to have enough. You can get more or you can, or you can be content with less. Two ways to have enough. The power of being content with less in order to have enough. This one, I live beyond my means. This, this right here is, is setting so much destruction in our society. Listen, this one right here is so much destruction in the church. So many people, one of the best financial advice I ever got was don't spend more than you make. And I was like, wow, that's so profound. Let me write that down. <laughs> As a young man though, I was like, wow, that just makes so much sense. You know? But everything around me is saying the opposite. 
Spend, 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 spend. Get, 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 get. I said to my kids, man, I just, I've just ever, ever since my kids are saying, what's the number one piece of financial advice, children? Don't spend more than you make, dad. I'm, yes, yes, yes. It will solve so many problems. It's so unusual, yet so wise. This right here, again, how many of us tempted with boatloads of debt and it starts to ruin our lives. The bore is the slave to the lender. Starts to hurt our marriages, stress out our families, increase sinful decisions, weigh us down. It's just, it's, it's just, it's so, it's such a problem. And it's rooted so often in this. I love to show off what I've bought. I mean, in our day, we buy these things. We're just hoping someone will notice, man. The cars we drive, the house we have, the decorating we do, the clothes, whatever it is, the, the gadgets, da, 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 all that stuff. I mean, if that's what's happening, man, shut it down. That will not be blessed by the Lord. Um, I am greedy is a sign that I love money. Again, what would people say about you and I? They say our life constitutes greed. Now, in the single greatest way to go against this and this, the single greatest way to push against the pursuit of money and the love of money is generosity generosity is the greatest biblical antidote to a trusting of wealth. What you're doing as you become generous is you're proving to the Lord and to those branches, it doesn't have me. I don't love it. I love to give to the kingdom of God. I give away. And at that moment, you are proving to your heart it doesn't have me. You don't love money, you love God. Single greatest way that we fight against this with our lives, with the life that we have and the time we still have is generosity. Next five, I'll go through them quickly. Indications, I love money. I've forgotten the source. Deuteronomy 8, we went through, God says, when you get blessed, do not forget, it's all grace. You got food in your fridge, grace. You got money in your bank, grace. It's all grace, it's all from God. Don't forget that. My loyalties are divided. Matthew 6, you can't do both. It's one or the other, God or money, decide. I am tempted to sin. So an indication I love money is I'm now tempted to be creative and how I can get more money and sin in the process. I'm gonna cheat on my taxes. I'm gonna do shady business deals. I'm gonna deceive other people. I'm not gonna, so I'm sinning in increasing measure to gain more money. That's a tremendous sign that money has too much of a hold on my life. And obviously that's a huge problem. My life is starting to suffer. Those who pursue wealth alone for the sake of earthly riches, again, their lives begin to self-destruct. Number one cause of marital stress, money, finances. How much of our lives ruined time thinking, no peace, often stressed, trying to do more, covering up for other situations. It's amazing when life starts to break down at the root of this so often is idolatry. And then lastly, I'm wondering if I need help. Some of you right now are just like, man, I, it's hard to be here in this message right now, but this is exactly the confirmation I needed because I don't really have any arguments now. I recognize the path I've been walking has not been honoring the Lord and it's not working. I need to change. I don't want to spend the next 10, 20 years in the same way I spent the last 10 or 20. It, it just stinks. I need help. Love to help you. We'd love this church to help. And even trying today, trying to say the answer is right here to say, man, I gotta stop pursuing that, which simply will not be blessed by the Lord. It's gotta be the Lord. He's gotta be first. He's gotta be first. Interesting that our most troubled times can correspond 
with our greatest prosperity if we trust in wealth and riches. So what we do now is we transition now in this psalm specifically to the reasons of why we need not to fear and so troubled times surround us. Why do I need not to fear specifically now in troubled times? Now, we have five reasons, okay? We need not fear in troubled times, but we can't go through all five right now. We're gonna do two now and three next week. You're like, hey, can you give me all five though before you go? Come back next week, all right? (laughs) Come back next week and we'll get all five down together. And the way the Psalm ends is pretty powerful, okay? So we do two now to end and then the next three will be next week. So, so here comes the answers. Why I need not fear, based on Psalm 49, why I need not fear in times of trouble. Answer number one, because wealth cannot buy life. Because wealth, money cannot buy salvation. Look at, look at verse seven, just going verse by verse through God's word. Truly no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice that he should live on forever and never see the pit. Okay, so what are we learning? There are certain things money can't buy. Salvation's at the top of the list, okay? You cannot buy your redemption. You cannot pay your way into heaven. At the end of the day, the wise person, listen carefully, the wise person would give up all the money in the world if they could have salvation from Jesus Christ. And this is what Jesus said, of course, right? Jesus says, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and yet forfeit his soul? What is that? That is called wisdom. The wise person says, I forsake everything on earth if it means I get access to Jesus Christ forever in heaven because comparing the riches of the two, it's not even close. One is infinitely glorious. One is so temporal and futile and unfulfilling. Wisdom. Wisdom is knocking at our door today. Which are we living for? So many people, again, in the pursuit of the world are selling their souls to the devil. The contrast here is so clear though. Verse eight, right? Verse eight. The ransom, the price is too high. I can't pay it on my own. It's too costly. It'll never suffice. Verse nine. No human payment will ever be enough to prevent them, to buy them out of the pit or, the, or hell. No human payment will ever be enough. No human ingenuity will cause them to live forever. Voltaire, the French philosopher, atheist, and mocker of Christianity. Voltaire was a very wealthy man. He was a very famous man during the Enlightenment period. And again, a very strong opponent of the Christian faith, that when he came to die in the midst of great fear and anguish, it is reported he cried this out to his doctor. He said, I will give you half of all I possess if you will give me six months more of life. Isn't that interesting, right? He stated his beliefs. He mocked, again, the Christian faith. He opposed Jesus Christ. He hated God's word. But at the end of the day, you say you believe a certain thing, but when it comes down to it and you're facing death, you're terrified and you're pleading for six months more of life. Why, Voltaire? What will six more months do? Just delay the inevitable. And the fear that resides within for the most ardent atheist that overcomes him in his darkest moment 
Yet we who have been made alive in Jesus Christ, who have been saved by grace through the cross of Christ and the empty tomb, listen, we can say, why would I fear in times of trouble? See, I cannot buy life. I don't have to. Jesus Christ has bought it for me. I cannot ransom another, but I don't have to because Jesus Christ has paid for their sins if they would receive him in grace and faith. This is why I think about the ransom that comes from Christ. The throne room scene in Revelation chapter five, reflecting what will be said of all of glory when Jesus Christ takes the scroll. Again, the heavenly procession, the people there, they sing and they say, worthy are you to take the scroll and open its seals for you were slain and by your blood, you ransomed people for God, every tribe, language, people and nation and have made them kingdom of priests to their God and they will reign on earth. So think about that, the fear of this world and the fear of death. But you belong to Jesus Christ and in some form for all of eternity, you will say you are so worthy for you were slain, Jesus Christ, and you ransomed me for God by your blood. Therefore, I shall not fear. As the psalmist says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? You see what happens here? The People without Christ, they are so terrified at death with the reality of what they know is coming, which they haven't got in order. But all of us who are alive in the Lord Jesus Christ, we can stare death in the face and the troubled times around us and say, I need not fear. All because of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, how powerful it is. Wealth cannot buy life, but Jesus Christ already has. Why should I fear in times of trouble? And our second reason we need not fear, and we end with this, is because death is 100% certain. You're like, that's a reason I should not be afraid? It is, it is. Let's, let's, let's learn together. Look at, look at verse 12. For he sees that even the wise die, the fool and the stupid alike must perish and leave their wealth to others. Look at this. Their graves are their homes forever. These verses, like in God's word, you're looking at, you're like, wow, like, it's amazing that's there. Look, they're dwelling places to all generations, though they called lands by their own names. Man in his pomp will not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. So why is this encouraging? Why do we not fear in times? Well, watch verse 10, we'll learn. All will die, everyone will die, from the wisest to the dumbest. And everyone in between, all will die. Notice verse 10 also, you can't take your money with you. The Bible explicitly says, your wealth will not go with you. And then look at verse 11. Think of, think of all the massive homes. Think of all the luxury. Think of all the TV shows of the rich and famous. Think of all the people that are worshipped in our society. Think of all the extra stuff they might have and the ridiculousness, kind of lavish, again, items and clothing and cars and vacation and but whatever it is, all the stuff they have. But at the end of the day, here's the Bible says, at the end of the day, the richest person in the world, you still end up in the same place as the poorest person in the world. You all end up in the grave. That becomes your home. See what the Bible's saying right here? You can have the greatest home ever on this earth, but at the end, your home is the grave. Dummy, right? <laughs> this, is what, this is what the Bible's saying. But like, let us not be dumb. 
Like, let us be wise. This is what the psalmist is pleading with us to understand. In the end, death is the great leveler. Death levels out everyone on the same plane. Even, I love how the Bible says this, verse 11, even those who called lands by their own names. You see that? So let's say Alexander the Great. Alexander the Great, self-obsessed, self-idolatrous, self-worshipful, massively powerful world leader, obviously, world conqueror in many ways. I mean, unbelievably powerful. Do you know Alexander the Great named 70 cities after himself? 70. And he even named one after his horse. Okay? But perfectly timed. Here comes verse 12. Look at verse 12. Man in his pomp will not remain. He is like the beasts that perish. What does that mean? What do we know? Alexander died and his horse died too. Okay? Right? Just meaning all will die. And you can have 70 cities named after you. At the end of the day, you're in the grave too. You, like everyone else who's ever lived, you will also go to the grave. Um, I think of the word pomp in verse 12, and I think of Herod in Acts chapter 12, where he did not stop the people from calling him a god. He did not give God the glory, the text says. And it says, an angel of the Lord struck him down and worms ate him and he breathed his last. Herod, so rich, so powerful, so arrogant, so pompous, so dead. So dead. Just like every other person. This this is what the Bible is saying to us. Loved ones, it's a warning, right? All of us. The Bible says your life is a mist. It's a vapor. We're like grass here one day, gone the next. Live with wisdom. Live as though this is true as it is true. The Bible is saying, why would you live for that which moth and rust destroy? Live for the kingdom of God that lives forever. Make that the investment of your life. Realize what the grave holds and realize what Jesus Christ gives. So on my break, I did some pretty exciting things. And one of them was I went to a cemetery. You're like, wow, Robbie, your break needs to get a little bit more breakier, all right? So, but listen, I went to this very, very special cemetery. I'm gonna show a picture for you. It's very special to me. So here are four, I've never been here before, four tombstones of my relatives. This is in Penetanguishene, Ontario, small, humble town. My grandfather was raised there. This is the tombstone of my great-grandfather, my great-grandmother, and then um, their two of their three sons. So my grandpa's brothers, he, my grandpa was the oldest, but both his brothers died um, before him. And so this is um, great grandpa, William Archibald Simons. My parents were this close to calling me Archie. All right. So I almost was named Archie's. I think that sounds good. Archie Simons. That's good. Anyways, didn't happen. All right. Didn't happen. So this is great grandma Winnie Winifred. So she's the one I'm, I've quoted a poem that my great-grandmother wrote many times, and it's in the front of my Bible right now. That's her. That's great-grandma Winifred, woman of God. And as far as I understand, all of these. Great-uncle Frank, um, he was a a medical doctor, died at age 50. Um, And my great-uncle Jack, he fought in the Second World War, a wonderful man, never married, um, just loved the Lord. So and and for side-by-side, in this humble town up in Penetang. And I brought my kids there. We went and looked, hey kids, this is, this is kind of important. You know, this is, this is a real part of our past. And just to recognize and to say significant people, you wouldn't be here apart from these people. You would not exist. And it is special, right? If you're thinking about that, you just these moments of just stopping and putting down the devices and just looking and saying, wow. But what I realized too, as you go through Psalm 49, I'm so glad I took this picture, was these tombstones, because they all love the Lord Jesus Christ, these tombstones are not there for them. 
they're not here. These are here for people like me that I come and I look at to remember them. But what's the reality is for those without Christ, the grave is the home forever, the Bible says. But for those with the Lord Jesus and all four who love the Lord, all four would stand over the grave and they are saying right now, death, where's your victory? Death, where's your sting? You have nothing on me because Jesus Christ died for my sins and he, was rose, from, he rose from the grave. As he has been made a newness of life, I too have been made now a newness of life because of what Jesus Christ has done. Listen, the Bible says to be absent from the body is present with the Lord. All four of my sweet relatives are right now in the presence of Jesus Christ, glorifying him forever as they will for all of eternity because anyone who's been set free in the Lord Jesus Christ, they will never die. In fact, the moment they physically die is the moment they actually start to live, which is why, loved ones, we can look across the troubled times of this world and say, why should I fear? I should not fear because Jesus Christ has paid for any human fear and has got and brought me everlasting life. The grace of Jesus Christ, the faith in him, the love of Jesus Christ, the payment for my sins. There is nothing I ultimately need to be afraid of. Again, you can kill me and then I actually start to live. That is the power of the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you are here right now and you've never known this hope, and you are riddled with fear, and you're so afraid of this life and the circumstances around you, and you have no peace, Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. Jesus Christ is the path of life. Jesus Christ is the answer for you right now. If you will turn from sin and embrace him by faith and receive the gift of his grace, which you don't deserve, you will never die. And at this moment, you're a child of God again, again, and you can be filled with the faith that carries you on from this life all to eternity in the next. That's why he came. That's why he died. That's why he rose from the dead. And that's why he's coming again sometime soon. And that's why we love him. Amen. And that's wisdom. Amen. Clap for that. Amen. Amen. So again, why should I fear in times of trouble? I shouldn't. I don't need to. Holy Spirit, help us, right? Holy Spirit, help us not just hear this, but to live it. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, would you do that? Would you help us right now? Uh, praying with um, a woman last service. She says, I believe this so much. I want to live it now. That's such a good prayer. Lord, I many, many in this room say, we believe this. Lord, we believe earthly riches won't last. Help us to live it now. God, we believe we can't serve God in money. Help us to live by serving the Lord. We believe the kingdom of God lasts forever. Help us to live for the kingdom of God. We believe, Lord, again, money just runs out and then the, the home of people on this earth apart from Christ is the grave forever. So help us not to be that. Help us to be men and women who live our lives with expectancy and fruitfulness. Help us now too, Lord, this song so carefully chosen as a beautiful response to this message, a song that says, you are my wisdom, all oh, the theme of wisdom. A song that says, I don't need riches. Jesus Christ is my treasure. A song that says, Jesus, one day you will soon return and my victory is in heaven with you. Help us to sing with great joy and power and faith and delight. Even as we sing, I pray many of us are taking our sin to the cross again and say, forgive me, God. And now today, I live for you. May Hope Bible Church be known as men, women, and children in love with Jesus, with open hands with the things of this world, and a tight grip on the kingdom of God. We pray this in Jesus' name. 
Hey, Living the Light listeners, listen, you've heard of Black Friday. You've probably heard of Cyber Monday. And if you heard of Giving Tuesday, that's a time again for people who are fired up about ministries like Living the Light to give on Tuesday, November 29th to, again, ministries like ours to see the gospel continue to go forward and lives to be changed through the revelation of God's truth. Did you know that we are kept on the air on this station 100% by generous donors like yourselves? It's so true. We are dependent on you and the support and prayer, again, of our listeners to continue to see these messages go out and we pray reach so many people, again, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And this year, we're excited to say we had a special donor step up and they are willing, again, to match gifts up to $25,000. They're going to match, again, all donations up to that amount towards living the light in this giving season. So, hey, maybe right now you you consider being used of the Lord to uh, see how you can be used to give generously, to live in the light that will continue to reach people. Again, a donor is going to match up to $25,000. We're so thankful for that donor and thankful for you for considering being used in this way at this time to see light shine in the darkness and to see those again without hope to find the hope that is found in Jesus Christ. Bless you all for prayerfully considering such things. That's all for today. Join us next time at Live in the Light.